Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Well, good morning, Cornerstone Church. I go to several Cornerstone churches around the world, some in Wales, some in the United States. This is my favorite. Interestingly, when we were church planting in Florida back in the 80s, uh, one of the churches that we planted down there, we named it Cornerstone Church. So we were way ahead of y'all. Amen. It's good to be back with you. Finally. Thank you, Sam, for inviting me. It's good to be back. How are y'all doing way over there? You okay? There's plenty of seats over here. If you wanna, if you I, I may not get all the way over there, but uh, it's good to be back with you. For those that don't know me, I uh, travel full-time in ministry. I've been doing that for almost 24 years out of Grace Church in Chapel Hill, planted by Jerry Daly, who was, it's all his fault that I came up here anyway. <laughs> Let's blame Jerry. Uh, as you know, Jerry led our network for many years and um, planted Grace Church in Southern Pines. And so, or Randy planted it out of Mana Church when Jerry was there. So we have a long history, and it's just good to be with you. Before that, I moved to North Carolina in 2000. Before that, we pastored down in Florida for 17 years. So uh, we've enjoyed living in North Carolina. And last weekend, I was up in my hometown, Rochester, New York, where it snowed last Sunday. And I said, this is why I live in, South, in North Carolina. This is why I live in the South. So every, about once or twice a year, I go up north when it's cold to remind myself of why I live down in the South. Isn't it nice? Still don't have a Southern accent. It's horrible. I can't do it. I can say y'all, though. It, it creeps in every now and then, so it may, I might sneak that in. So it's good to be with you. Um, yeah, so we're going to uh, jump into the Word of God, and then we're going to have some uh, time of prayer afterwards a little bit over some, some folks, and asking God to give a strategy for the future. There's been a lot of changes here, as you know, and God's at work here. And we sang the song, he hasn't, he hasn't given up yet. God's not given up. There's lots that God wants to accomplish. How many know there's a lot of sinners in Lynchburg? I know you've got a great school, <laughs> loaded with lots of young Christian, young people with vision to change the world. But, you know, you want to change your city. They'll come. They'll get educated. They'll go. But you live here, and God wants to change the city. And so God's up to something. As you know, uh, Pastor Randy's heart and Ryan to change uh, the city down in uh, the Southern Pines area, and God's doing that. They're going to be planting more churches, and God's, God's moving everywhere. It's been an incredible year. It, our pastor, Kendrick Benar, who's Jerry Daly's son-in-law, Kendrick said this at the beginning of 2023. He said, it's like the wind shifted from blowing in our face. How many felt like the wind was in our face in 2021, 20, 22? And then something shifted in 23, and it's like the wind is at our back. I see that everywhere I go. I was in 12 different nations last year, and I was in 55 churches last year, and I'm seeing God really behind the church. Not that he was ever in front of it, but it's like there was a lot of stuff happening in the earth, you know, pandemics and all kinds of wars and things, and, but God isn't moving. Sometimes he moves best when things get a little chaotic, amen? <laughs> yes, right, chaos is good sometimes when God's stirring the pot. And crisis is here to stay. We're going to live in crisis. God wants to build robust, strong churches that know how to walk and grow in crisis. Because then the world goes, what are you guys doing? How do you do it? Why are you at peace when everybody else is going crazy? Say, come on in, we'll tell you. So, here we go. Ready? Knock, knock. Wow, you're a talking church. That's amazing. I think Jesus likes talking churches. That, that was done on purpose. I mean, you come to church to hear a joke every now and then, right? You've got to laugh. Life's too serious. So, okay, I'll do, I'll do a pastor's knock-knock. You ready? This is a pastor's knock-knock joke. Knock-knock. 
Needle? Need a little more in the offering next Sunday. That's a pastor's knock-knock joke. All right. Knock-knock, who's there? The answer is, this morning, you are. You're to be knocking based on the fact that God wants to do things for you, but he wants you to engage him by asking and seeking and knocking. So John chapter 15 and verse 16, Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. How many know that's true? How many think, hey, I found the Lord? No, you didn't. You weren't looking for him. You weren't even looking for him. He chose you, and he appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask, say ask. You're going to hear that word a lot today. Whatever you ask, the Father in my name, Jesus said, he may give it to you. Notice the relationship between asking and giving. There's a relationship. It's not just asking. There's a goal in your asking. There's a goal to bear fruit, and it takes asking on your part, and it takes giving on God's part. You're the asker. God is the giver. That's the relationship Jesus said he's setting up the disciples for. In this little chunk of Scripture here, John 15, 16, 17, right before Jesus goes to the cross, only John records this particular, these topics about the Holy Spirit and Jesus getting his disciples ready for his departure. So he's setting them up for a new relationship with the Father. Because up till now, they're having a relationship with Jesus himself, with God himself in the flesh. He says in chapter 16 of John, verse 23 and 24, In that day you'll ask nothing of me. Why? I'm going. <laughs> you won't have me to ask directly. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, in other words, as if you were asking like I was here, he will give it to you. Notice again, asking, giving. And then verse 24, until now you've asked nothing in my name, so ask. You haven't asked anything in my name, you haven't had to, why? I'm here, but the day is coming, you're going to ask, watch, and you will receive, here's the goal, that your joy would be full. God wants you joyful. God wants joyful people. Not sourpusses walking around going, I wonder what's wrong with him. Oh, he's a Christian. You just have, you have to understand. They're awfully grumpy. Sometimes, you know, I go to a lot of churches, I think. Sometimes I look around going, are they, are they serving pickle juice for communion? I mean, why are everybody so sour? It's like, are you, are you happy? God wants you not only just happy emotionally, he wants your joy to be full. That's the presence of the Holy Spirit, the righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And it comes by a relationship with God, and it comes out of an asking relationship with God. That's part of your relationship with God is he's saying, come ask of me. We need stuff. We need things to live on planet Earth. So you go to God. And something Jesus said in John 16, verse 27, I'll just, it's not on the slides, but he said, for the Father himself loves you. That's, he's trying to get this over to the disciples because he's leaving, and he's going to connect them directly to the Father through prayer and asking and he says, by the way, the Father loves you. He's not mad at you. He's not up there. He's not a grumpy God either. He's Father. So this word ask, big word, it's a prayer word. Frankly, it's a prayer word. There's different words in the Bible for prayer. We say prayer. We need to pray. I'll pray for you. Will you pray for me? Yes. We just need to pray. Well, just pray. Pray, 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 pray. That's good. It's a, it's a Bible word. But it takes different forms. So that word prayer, which is the most translated uh, term in the New Testament for 
the word prayer is prosuke. Prosuke means to have face-to-face relationship, to have interface, to have conversation. It's what we do the most. We're having a conversation with God. You're reading your Bible, you're having prosuke, you're praying. It's talking with God, listening to God. It's that relation, it's the deepest relational. But then there's other words that describe how we go to God based on what we need. So there's a word called supplication. How many aware of that? <laughs> it's like, when's the last time you supplicated? I'm just going to tell you, you supplicate more than you know. In fact, Paul gave a list of how to pray for leaders in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. He said, I urge you, first of all, supplication and prayers and intercession and the giving of thanks be made for all men. Four words that describe the type of prayers that Paul's instructing Timothy for the church on how to pray for leaders, all people. And the first one, he says, I urge you, first of all, supplication. He goes, supplication? What's supplication? Sounds like suffocation. I don't think I need to do that. It's like, what is it? Supplication? Supper? Is there supper? When when do the supplicators meet? What night are the supplicators? Tomorrow morning, 6 o'clock. All the supplicators. Now, here's the thing about supplication. You do it more than you know, because the word is deomai in the Greek, and it means to pour out yourself in entreaty, overcome with a need, watch, not knowing the answer. You're all going, oh, that's me. A lot of your prayer life, in fact, most of your prayer life should be in that realm of like, I have, I have a great need, I'm going to go to God, and I'm going to pour it out before him, because I don't have the answer. You don't go to God with your answers. You don't come to God with your answers. That's what Pharisees do. Nicodemus came up to Jesus and said, now, Rabbi, we know. Jesus is going, you don't know. <laughs> I'm the son of God standing right in front of you. And you think I have a devil? You don't know. You don't go to God with what you know. You go to God with your need and you pour it out. And then there's the word intercession. Yes, we, we, we kind of raise that one up and we kind of create these fake offices like he's the, he's the office of an intercessor. There's no such thing. You're all intercessors. You're all supplicators. An intercessor is someone that stands in the gap that lends their access to God on someone that needs it, someone that doesn't have it. You intercede for lost people. Why? They can't. They can't go to God. They don't have a relationship, but you do, so you lend that to that person that's lying in the hospital bed or is in sick. Whatever, whatever the case is, you, you take them to the Lord. That's intercession and tuncano. But then there's this other word, aiteo. It is the word ask. It's a strong word for ask. It's not just a mealy little, oh, if it be thy will. This is a strong word, almost on the edge of a demand, because you're asking for something based on the, the truth of God's word, based on the fact that it's already been given to you. And the thing about it is, you're asking for something to be given. I'm asking for this to be given. Remember the ask-give relationship. You're not asking for necessarily something to be done. You're asking for something to be given because the word of God says so. The prominence is given to the thing being asked for, not necessarily the source. When you're prosuke, when you're interfacing with God, you're you're talking with the source. But then you come to the asking. So now, based on my relationship with you, Father, I'm asking for this. So it's a strong word. It's used a lot. And when Jesus said that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you, he says that several times, and then you're thinking, oh, wow, like anything? Like anything? Wow, is this like, I get Dad's credit card? Is this like heavenly Amazon? Just click it and it comes the next day? Anything? No, 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 not anything. There's rules. There's rules or laws. 
when it comes to asking, just like you do with your kids, right? Can I have anything? No, <laughs> within reason, right? There's boundaries. There's things that God says. Something. So good old James. James is really good at giving us some rules. You ever think life is just so easy? Go back and read the book of James. He kind of scolds you and kind of helps you realize who you really are. I think that's because he was Jesus' brother, younger brother. And I think they probably had to share a bedroom together. And, you know, he probably, he, he had a rough life. Give James a break. I mean, he shared a bedroom with the, with the Son of God who never made any mistakes. He didn't snore. He, every time James woke up, Jesus' bed was all made, and he's down cooking breakfast for the family. And he's just like, this guy, he doesn't make any mistakes. He just really bothers me. And he's, James is so aware that he wrote a book about being aware of your weaknesses. Isn't that great? Count it all joy, he says in the beginning, when you fall into diverse trials. Because God's going to give you endurance and patience. He, had, he lived a life of endurance. And James talks about asking. He says in chapter 4, verse 2, he says, um, now here's one thing about, here's one of the laws of asking. You do not have because you do not ask. That's pretty simple. Because there is a scripture in Matthew that says, well, the Father, has, he knows what you need before you ask. You know that verse? So some people think, well, there you go. I don't need to ask the Father. He already knows what I need. He's God. He should just do it. But that's not a relationship. See, he wants a relationship. Of course God can give you anything. God can do anything. We just sang that. But God wants a relationship with you. So first of all, you don't have some things because God's waiting for you to ask him. And then he goes on and says, and now in verse 3 he says, now you do ask sometimes. And you don't receive because you ask. Here's an interesting word in the Greek. This translation says you ask wrongly. That's kind. The King James says you ask amiss. I just missed it. But the Greek word is a little stronger. It means (laughs) diseased, sick, evil. That's the same word. I'll use that same word. Do you realize sometimes your prayers are a little sick? Now, we would never say that, so please come tomorrow morning. We won't judge you. And you get done praying and go, that was sick. And the young people go, oh, that was sick. And it's like, really, oh, that was sick. So it depends on what your translation is. But this word actually is used sometimes to create evil, which means what? It's of your carnal nature is desiring. And that's what James is saying. Because you want to spend it. You're asking for things to spend it upon your own desires. It's, 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 it's praying in a selfishness out of your carnality versus out of your spirit. So James is warning us. So you just don't ask for anything, but you still need to ask. You, you don't have because you don't ask. And you can't base your confidence in prayer on unanswered prayer. Did you get that? You can't base your confidence in praying to God based upon unanswered prayer in your life, because we all have unanswered prayer, because probably some of it is a little sick. Or it's just off. It is a miss. We're praying in the wrong direction. We're praying for the wrong reason. So what is the confidence? Well, the Bible, the Word of God, 1 John. So John's nicer than James. So we go to 1 John. And John gets really nice in those little short books. He talks about love and all these things. But in 1 John chapter 5, John gives us our focus of confidence in prayer. And he says it this way. 1 John 5.14, this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we, here it is, ask, I tell if we ask anything according to his will. That's the, that's the key. 
That's what we call the measuring stick of prayer. How do you measure if my prayers are right, if they're not amiss, if I'm praying the right way, the right thing? Well, does it line up with the book according to his will? That's where Iteo praying is so powerful because if it's in the book, you can pray it because God already wrote it. Cheat. Look it up in the book and then pray it. <laughs> Say, God, you said. He likes to hear that. God, he likes to be quoted. God, your word says. God, your, your promise is. And so James, or John says, if this is the confidence we have that if we ask anything according to his will, then we know, first of all, that he hears us. You start praying the Bible, God's all ears. So that's, my, that's my book. That's my word. That's me. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, I tell you, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. The relationship is good. That's confidence. Wow. It's like, whoa. And Jesus said in John 15, the, the great parable of the vine, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will. You get that? If, if my word abides in you, then you can ask whatever you will, and it will be done. Why? Because you're praying according to the word. So we have to be people of the word and prayer. So to finish up with a great example that you all know, we go to Luke 11, and this is where the disciples came to Jesus. And they said, Lord, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples. How many of you can learn to pray? Why? The disciples said, teach us. Teach us to pray. That's the word prosuke, because they would watch Jesus go off by himself and be over there just muttering, moving his lips. Who is he talking to? I don't know. Go ask him. I'm not asking him. You go ask him. I don't know. Wait, he really like, he's talking to somebody. I think he's talking to the father, whoever that is. I mean, Jesus had this amazing relationship with his father, and he would go off and pray. And so finally the disciples said, okay, Lord, teach us to prosuke. We want to have interface. We want this relationship as John taught his disciples. And so Jesus said, okay, here you go. When you prosuke, when you pray, don't miss this next word, say. So you have to be a talking church. A praying church is a verbal church. You have a voice in the earth. Your voice is powerful when it lines up with this word. You don't say anything, ain't going to happen. And I'm all for silent praying. There's times to be quiet. You can pray inside. I understand all that. But there is times to pray out loud. And that's why they said, we want to pray like you do, Jesus. Because when you pray, say. That word say in the Greek means to break silence. Duh. <laughs> but it does. Break silence. It means relate in words. Husbands, take note. How are you doing? Fine. How was your day? Great. Relate in words. Use more words. We've got to get our words out, okay? So, Jesus said, when you prosuke, say, Father. First, see, this is, first is a relationship word. You understand, your relationship is first. So, first thing you do is what? Understand you have a relationship with the Father. We won't go through the whole prayer, but it's like, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What Jesus is saying, get in position on earth, position yourself with the Father who's in heaven, and begin to speak his will to be done. Your kingdom come, your rule, your will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. That sets you up, it positions you. That's not for God, that's for you. 
It gets you in the right position. And then the asking begins. The rest of the prayer is asking. It's all asking because the next thing is what? Give us. Give me. We're like little kids. Give me. <laughs> okay. Our Father, what heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Now give me. I need stuff. And he starts, oh, give us this day our daily bread. Very simple. Why? We live on planet Earth. We need to eat. It's very simple. In the Greek, it's even stronger. It's, it's, in the Greek, it says, our bread, the bread's first, the needed portion, give to us daily. That's how the Greek says it. So, the, you see, it's, asking is focused on the thing needed, not the source. You're, not, you're, already, you're already in alignment with the source. Now you're asking for the thing to be given. Give us. God knows you have needs. Give us according to the necessity of the day is another way to say it. You don't need a year's supply of bread. Now, we're Americans. We have cupboards and freezers, and man, we stock up. And if there's even the hint in Virginia and North Carolina, the hint of snow, we ransack the, the local grocery store. <laughs> like, what happened? I think there was a weather forecast last night. We go crazy. We like to stock up, you know. We don't need all that. But give us the needed portion. Give us what we need, Lord. He knows. But he wants you to ask. Jesus said, oh, in this relationship with the Father who, are, who is in heaven, you're on earth, ask him. Jesus is teaching said, just ask him. Are we allowed to ask him? Go ahead. He's God, but he's your Father. Go ahead and ask him. And it doesn't stop there. Give us this day our daily bread. And then what? Forgive us. Oh, the asking hasn't stopped. Now we're going from the outer court to the inner court. We're going from, this is what my body needs, but this is what my soul needs. Forgiveness. Unforgiveness is one of the biggest obstacles in life. Church problems, work problems, people problems are usually all centered on some form of unforgiveness. Some kind, something happened, and we're carry, still carrying it. So Jesus said, you want, you want to have this relationship with the Father? Walk in forgiveness. Keep your soul healthy. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We're still asking. Still asking. And lead us. Still asking. Now we're asking for spiritual things. We ask for the body, then we ask for the soul. And now we're saying, lead us. You want to be led by the Spirit, right? We talked about that yesterday with our session. I want to be led by the Spirit. And you've got to say, God, lead me. He's the shepherd. We're the sheep. You ask him. We're asking you. Lead us. Not into temptation. Deliver us. Another ask from the evil one. Because yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. See, the, 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 kind of the, the filling of the prayer sandwich <laughs> starts out with, Hallowed be thy name, and yours is the kingdom and the glory forever and ever. It's praise and worship and glorification, but in the middle is all asking. It's all asking. So Jesus is teaching them, and you know, you're going through this the way Luke wrote it. He gets into give us daily bread, forgive us our sins, lead us. Not into temptation. Stop right there. Jesus goes, wait, 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 wait. I'm going to tell you a quick story. It's like Jesus interrupted his own prayer. Like he's allowed to do that. He just stops the prayer. He goes, now, let me tell you a quick story. And he tells the story of what we call the parable of the friend at midnight. 
it's kind of a crazy story. I think it's actually funny. Here's how he tells it. Luke chapter 11, verse 5. He said to them, so which of you has a friend and will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend? Dude, it's midnight. Go away. Friend? <laughs> Lend me three loaves. He's asking. He's asking for bread. Because a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. This is a big, awkward moment in this society because in this society in the East, in the Middle East, and then they would travel late at night because it was cooler than traveling during the day. And it was just the culture of hospitality. And especially if you have a friend and you just knock, knock, who's there? It's your friend. It's midnight. <laughs> it's me, your friend. I need some bread. Frank just showed up. I have nothing to, we ate all of our bread. I know you got some bread in there. It's like this, this relationship is being tested. I have nothing to set before him. So he's in an awkward position. In which he has a friend <laughs> and goes to him and says, lend me three loaves. My friend has arrived on a journey. I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, of course. What, what do you need? No, not, this is not that kind of friend. He will answer from within, don't bother me. The door is now shut. Interesting. The door is now shut. Knock, knock. The door is shut. Stop knocking. And my children are with me in bed. Watch. I cannot get up. Not, not I just won't. I can't. I cannot. I'm not able. I cannot get up and give you what? Anything. What a loser. I mean, what? Yeah. Always take note of these next three words in verse 8. And Jesus says, I tell you. Uh, here's the, in other words, here's the, here's the point I'm trying to make, Jesus said, based on this crazy story, right? Hey, what? My friend showed up. Go away. Go away. I'm not your friend. Go away. I'm going to unfriend you on Facebook as soon as you leave. Just get out of here. Go away. And he keeps knocking. Go away. No, go away. No, I know you got bread. I know you got I'm trying to annoy you. Am I annoying you yet? I want, if nothing else, you're like, how was the sermon? I don't know. The guy just kept knocking. Good, you got it. He just kept knocking. Good. That was the sermon. I tell you, Jesus said, though he will not get up and give him anything, watch, out of relationship, the relationship's broken at this point. He's not going to give him because he's his friend. He's just saying, basically, I'm not your friend anymore. Go away. But he will rise, watch, and he will give. Remember, ask, give, ask, give, ask, give. He will rise. He will give what? Anything. Just leave. Here, take the bread, take some milk, take my lawnmower, just go away, right? Just, I want to get rid of him. He does that, Jesus said, not based on friendship anymore. Because of his impudence or importunity, or just a better translation, his shamelessness. One translation says his shameless audacity. That's what was going on in this guy. I am not leaving until I get bread. I know you got bread. I saw you. I saw you baking it. I know you got some bread. All right, here. Oh, good. He stopped knocking finally. That was the point. He just wanted the guy to stop knocking. Stop asking. His wife was the audacity. Can you believe he kept knocking? I know it. Shameless audacity. How dare he? And this whole story is crazy because it's not. Who God is. And the rabbis would often teach parables in contrast to contrast a truth 
In other words, he's saying, God's not like this. There's no shame in going to God and asking for bread. There's no shame in going to God and asking for what you need. And sometimes you've got to do more than just hint. Sometimes you've got to shamelessly say, God, I know your word says I can have this. I'm asking, and I'm not stopping until I get it. Because Jesus says one more time in verse 9, and I tell you what? What's the next word? Not go away. Based on this crazy story, I tell you what? Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. What's the next one? Knock, knock, and it will be open. Now, see, those are the three realms we were talking about. The asking is for the material things. It's the stuff you need. Ask, and it will be given. Seek, that's soul. The seeking is to remove obstacles to receiving. When you're seeking, you're looking diligently. You're examining yourself. You're finding what the hindrances might be. It's a heart issue. Seeking is of the heart. Ask, keep on asking for things. Seek the condition of your heart. And then knock. Guess what? Now you're in the spirit realm. It's so easy just to pray out of your soul. But when you get that clear, when you say, God, this is what I need. Now, God, forgive us. Forgive me. I know I've messed up. You get your soul right. Seek. Then you can knock with confidence. And it it will be open because now you're in the spirit. You have to move. I know tomorrow at 559, there will be a lot of people in the flesh here. God bless you for getting your flesh, dragging that flesh out of bed and getting it over here. That's a good start. But then you can move into your soul. And finally, you can get into the spirit and knock, knock, and it will be opened unto you. And then Jesus goes back to relationship to finish. Verse 11. Now what father among you? So he gives this amazing illustration about go to the father, ask, keep asking, seek. He's not a grouchy neighbor. He's got more than enough. He wants you to be persistent. Keep asking. I tell you, ask, seek. Knock. Now, which father among you? Now he puts it back on their plate. So, tell me, based on this, which father among you, if your son asked for, for bread, would give him a stone? Which, see, another ridiculous contract. What father would give his kid a, a rock if he asked for bread? Right? And they're going, well, that's, that's ridiculous. Exactly, Jesus says, no, of course not. If your son asked for a fish, would he give him a scorpion? No, of course not. No. So then watch this. So if you who are evil, excuse me, I said I wouldn't give him the rock. I'm not going to give him the scorpion. I'm not evil. We're, we're good guys. We're good fathers. Yes, that's what I'm saying. You think you're a good father, but even compared to the father, you're evil. That's the same word James used, by the way. Sometimes we're a little sick and diseased and we're a little off and we're carnal. He's basically saying you're still on planet Earth. Father's in heaven. He's perfect. You're not. If you who are imperfect, that's kinder. If you being imperfect or of the earth, actually sensual and of the earth, if you of the earth know how to give good gifts to your children, again, he's comparing, watch these three words, how much more? Say that with me, ready? How much more will the heavenly fathers, he's contrasting earthly fathers and heavenly fathers, how much more will the heavenly father, what? What's his source? What's the source now? 
give the Holy Spirit to anybody? Anybody? To who? Those who I tell. You're all Greek students now. Well done. To those who ask. What? Because it's yours. That's close to demanding. Like, I, 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 I need the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, do it. <laughs> Teach me. Pray for me. How many of you know the Holy Spirit is the best cheater you'll ever meet? You look at me like, he just say cheater in church? He's your secret weapon. He's the greatest prayer next to Jesus. He's everywhere. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, Paul is coaching the Romans about their prayer life, and he's showing them how marvelous the Holy Spirit is when we don't know how to pray. We don't know the what to pray. Actually, in the Greek, there's an article. We don't know the what to pray. It says, in our weakness, we don't know what to pray. Then Paul says, ding, 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 sheep coming up. Here's Here's a shortcut. What? The Holy Spirit helps. Now, he doesn't do it for you, but he helps. The word help is four letters in English. It's a big, long word in the Greek. Soon antilambano is the word in the Greek. And you break it down, and lambano means to take hold of something, literally grasp it. Anti is against, and soon is with, so you put it to soon. Antilambano means the Holy Spirit will come, and he'll take hold of that which is against you. He'll come with you. He'll come alongside you. He's the helper. He's the parakletos. He's called the helper, the comforter. He comes alongside, not to do it for you, but he'll take hold of that which is, you're feeling, that's why you feel weak in your prayer life. That's how you put kryptonite on a Christian real quick. How you doing? Good. How's your prayer life? Uh. How you doing? Good. I got up and did my devotions. Good. How's your prayer life? Uh. We feel weak. Why? Because all kinds of stuff comes against us, and we don't, literally don't know the what to pray. I'm supposed to pray. I don't know what to pray. Here's the cheat. Use the Holy Spirit. It's, a, it's guaranteed. Why? Because Paul said to the Romans, he always prays according to the will of God. He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Talk about a perfect prayer life. And he's in you. That's why Jesus said, how much more? Will the Father give you the best cheater for prayer in the world? But you've got to ask. You've got the Holy Spirit. And here's, here's the extra bonus. That means pray in the Spirit. Any cessationists around here? Pray in tongues. Yeah. The devil hates it. That's why people go berserk when you even mention the phrase. You speak in tongues. Ah! devil hates because he can't understand. You can't understand. Isn't that marvelous? I just had a great time of prayer. What would you say? No idea. But the Father knew every single word. He that speaks in tongues speaks not unto men but unto God. No one understands him. Isn't that beautiful? You, You just don't get confused. So the Holy Spirit is making intercession for you right now. He's not alone. A few verses later, in Romans 8, 31, somebody else is making an intercession for you. You know who? Jesus. Jesus and the Holy Spirit right now are making intercession for you. I have a question. Are you the least bit interested in what they're praying? Anybody interested? How many times do you say, oh, come, Holy Spirit, come join my prayer meeting? They're going, why don't you just come join our prayer meeting? It's a lot better. 
I mean, it's crazy. We're trying to invite the Holy Spirit down here to, to our prayer meeting. He's going, ours is better. It's shorter. And it's guaranteed. We pray according to the will of the Father. It's the best, best cheat ever. Why don't we do it? Well, because we're evil. Because our flesh goes berserk. Already some of you are just dreading tomorrow morning. Just the fact they announced it. And I sat there at 6 o'clock. What is wrong with these people? That was my flesh. I'm with you in spirit. I'll be in my bed, but I'll be with you in spirit. But Hey, we did 21 days, 7 a.m. at Grace Church. We made it. That's getting up at 6 and getting ready and getting over there. It was, it was powerful. It becomes a habit. It became exciting. So I urge you to go there. So anyway, this is the whole realm of asking. And one of the greatest askers I ever read about was a guy by the name of George Mueller. Anybody heard of, heard of George Mueller? He was a missionary um, ministry back in the 1800s in England. But he came from Germany. He was born in Prussia, which is modern-day Germany. And uh, his father was a, like a diplomat. He had a, like a government job. And they were well off. They weren't super rich, but had a very comfortable life. But old George was a little bit of a rascal in his teenage years. He would go out and party with his friends and stay up late at night and go gamble. And they would rent hotels and skip out and not pay. And, oh, he was a rascal. And one time he got caught by a hotel. He got put in jail for a few days. And that kind of shock. And George's dad says, enough is enough. So his earthly father came up with a great plan for George's life. He said, George, you're going in the ministry. That's why some of us are in the ministry to this day, Sam, right? Yeah, we're, we're in the, anyway, our dad's had a great plan. <laughs> it's like, I need, I got to fix this kid. And see, in Germany, uh, if you went into the ministry, you worked for the government. You got uh, housing, you got a parsonage, you got a salary, and you got retirement. And his father's thinking, this is going to take care of him. Just go in the ministry and the, the state will take care of you. He'll they'll meet your needs, right? Well, George reluctantly went because he had no choice. And so um, he went to this Seminary, wasn't saved, just kind of mocked what was going on. One Wednesday night, small group prayer meeting. Don't ever underestimate a small midweek prayer meeting, or an early morning one for that matter. But his friend kept inviting him, and finally one time he said, I'm going to go because I just want to go and make fun of these people. I'm going to go and just mock the Christians. Yeah, I'll go. Yeah, I'm going to go and have fun. So George went to this midweek prayer meeting, and he got saved. <laughs> Holy Ghost set him up. He, got, he gave his heart to Christ. He, got, he actually got converted. He got all excited. And he went back and he told his father, he said, I, I actually am a Christian now. I'm a believer. And I, I do want to be in the ministry. In fact, I, God's put in my heart to be a missionary to the Jewish people. I'm going to go preach the gospel to Jewish people. What do you think about that, Father? He goes, no, you're not. You're going to go be a Lutheran German pastor. No, I'm going to be a missionary. No, you're not. Yes, I am. God's called me to. Well, then God can take care of you. And he cut him off. His, father, his earthly father cut him off. And from that day forward, out of his own mouth, he said, God will take care of me. He made a determination to never ask man directly to meet his needs. He'd always go to the father. Father, I have a need. Father provided for him to go to the London School of Missions. He went to London. He got there. Didn't have enough for tuition. So he got up early and he prayed. And he went over and is standing in line to pay tuition. You know, still doesn't have the money. Next. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you. Next. Thank you, Lord. All of a sudden, a guy comes from the side door. Who's George Mueller? Where's George Mueller? He goes, me, sir. He walks over. 
doesn't say a word, takes British pound notes and stuffs them in the pocket of George's coat and walks away. He's going, next. Oh, oh, yes, Mueller, yeah, that's 300 pounds. Just a minute. Pulls all these pounds. He's got 290, 300, there you go. And things like this kept happening. Now, George got sick, and when he graduated, he wasn't in great health, so he went down to the south of England, down to the Cornwall area. There's better air down there. He was trying to recuperate, but he still had a vision to be a missionary, and so he was going around to some churches. He went to this church in Bristol, England, knock, knock. Hi, I'm George Mooney. Gave him his little spiel, and they went, London School of Missions, huh? You know, we lost our pastor last year. We've been asking... We've been asking God to send us a pastor. We've been asking God to send us a pastor. You get it. We think it's you. You do? Yeah. Would you come and pastor us? Okay. Got nothing else going on. <laughs> so George started pastoring in his 20s. He pastored that church for 50 years. Now, in that time, there was a lot going on in the economy and war and stuff. There was a lot of orphans and homeless people in Bristol, England. George and his wife started taking orphans into their homes and feeding them, caring for them. And they just kept coming. It's like the more they took in, the more would come. So then he built his first orphanage, and he built another one. He built five orphanages to, to, to the tune of millions today. But you know what? He never asked a human. Now, humans gave, but he always went to the Father. Father, I need to build another orphanage. And God supplied over and over. Not only for the big buildings, but for the little things. One morning... The cook came to him and said, Mr. Mueller, yes, we have no food. And we got 300 hungry kids. He goes, it's okay. I've asked. A few minutes later, knock, knock. Opens the door. There's the local baker with these big pans of bread going, God woke me up at 3 in the morning and said, Mueller needs bread. I don't know. Here, I don't know what to do. Here, <laughs> here. I'm like, okay. A few minutes later, knock, knock. It was the local milkman. You know, they delivered milk on horse and carriage. He said, my axle just broke on my cart. I've got all this milk. It's going to spoil. Can you take all the milk in? Absolutely, we can. Things like this happened over and over in his life. When he got to that church in Bristol, one of the first things he noticed is they, they weren't taking offerings. Why aren't they taking offerings? Oh, we have, a, we have a budget plan. What is that? Well, we charge for the seats. The most expensive ones in the front, and then they work their way back. That's why not many people sit up front. And over there, don't even bother. Right? You're going to have a sale coming up. The people come at 6 o'clock, you get a discount. I'm making a joke. Okay, anyway, so, but Mueller was appalled. He goes, you charge for the seating? He goes, yes, that's how we make budget every year. He goes, no more. We're going to ask, and God's going to supply. And there'll be a box in the back. Give your offerings. They, he never missed a paycheck. They never missed a, a payment. And these are the things that God was working in George Mueller as an asker. Because he learned to ask. He said this, when I go to prayer in the morning, the first thing I do is get my heart in such a place that it has no will of its own. That's supplication, by the way. That's, you pour out all your junk. You pour out all your needs. All, everything you're overwhelmed with, you just pour it all out before God and go, there. Ferris, are you done? I think there's one more in there. Okay. Ugh. There you go. Good. Okay. Now, here's what I'm going to do. Now you can ask. So Mueller lived this way, and he pastor that church until he was 72. At the ripe old age of 72, he started his missions ministry. Sam, there's another minister coming. Who knows? He started traveling the world at 72 with no airplanes. He's going to Africa, and he goes to the United States and Canada. And he traveled for almost, 
18 years, 17 years till he was, uh, can't remember, he was up, up in his 87, I think it was 87 when he stopped traveling, his health, he was getting old. And finally, 92 or 93 years old, he's in his last days. He's actually in bed, not doing well, but praying every day. And a friend of his was his prayer partner. He would come over. And one time they're praying, and George is praying for this guy, and his friend just kind of goes, are you still praying for him? He goes, yep, every day. It was a guy that he had gone to Bible college with 70 years ago who didn't give his life to Christ. George got saved. He didn't. Back to our first scripture, you didn't choose me, I chose you, God chose George. But we still pray, we still ask. And George kept asking, and his friend said, you're still praying for him? He goes, yep, every day. George Mueller died in his early 90s. They had his funeral, and at his request, he says, I want the gospel preached one more time at my gravesite." So they had the funeral, they went to the gravesite. they're gathered around the grave, and the preacher's giving the gospel one more time. When he gave the invitation... From the back of the crowd, a little wrinkled up man in his 90s worked his way down to George's grave and he got down on one knee and he gave his heart to Jesus Christ at George's grave. And it was that friend that he'd prayed for for over 70 years. Don't stop asking. Don't stop asking. The Father wants you to ask. He wants that relationship unbroken. And don't worry about unanswered prayer. Your confidence in your prayer is not based on your unanswered prayer. It's based on your relationship with the Father. Ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. I think George knocked till his last breath, and at his funeral, God opened his friend. Don't stop. What are you asking for? I know it's February, so we don't have to talk about Happy New Year anymore, but it's still young in the year, right? What are you asking God for this week, this month, as our sister said, this year? What are you asking God for? And yes, you need a pastor. Let's be honest. God's going to give you one, but you ask. I oversee a church up in Goshen, Indiana. The founding pastor, who's 83, a friend of Jerry's, turned it over to a young elder, And this guy, Steve, pastored it for 37 years and then turned it over to a guy from our staff in Chapel Hill, Jeremy Gwaltney. He was the youth pastor. He was on staff with Kendrick for 10 years. And it's interesting because Jeremy's from the south. He didn't know that place at all. And Goshen, Indiana is all Amish, Mennonite. It's its its own world up there. And uh, they were trying to get a pastor. Steve had a plan to retire. They had a strategy. They just couldn't. They were going online. They were interviewing people in California. He was talking to all his friends, just, we we had nobody. So the church started prayer and fasting. One day a week, I don't think it was six in the morning, but one day a week, it was an all-church prayer and fasting day, pray, say, God, send us a pastor. Kind of like Mueller. Kind of like y'all. God, send us a pastor. I mean, God could just go, (laughs) send someone tomorrow. So what happened was, Steve put out an email to a group of us that, there's several networks that did stuff together and sent it out to leaders. And Kendrick, our pastor, got the email looking for a pastor. Blah, blah, blah. And Kendrick knew the church. And Kendrick, like, he was just going down deleting emails that day. No, no. And he said, I just about hit delete. And I looked at that email and went, ah, oh, Jeremy. Jeremy would be great for that. And anyway, he called Steve. Jeremy went up. 
snuck in the back one Sunday. Nobody knew who he was. Checked it out. <laughs> then they invited him. He, so long story short, he's been pastoring there for seven years. The church has doubled. God just blessed him. Jeremy's at the time was, I think, just 38, 39, five kids. Just came in. You need to pray and be specific. They said, God, send us a young pastor with a family so we can grow our church. Y'all need some young people? Put your seatbelts on over there. Yeah. You know what you got to do? Invite. Invite and invest. Two words. Invite people. It's still the number one way people come to church. Personal invitation. Number two way? Website. You better know it. The game is played online. That's the number two way. People, people don't buy socks until they go online and check it out, check out the size and the shape and everything. I mean, you, you, nobody gets anything anymore until they go to the web and check it out. Nobody's going to come here unless you invite them personally on your recommendation and friendship um, until they check. So these are some things you've got to These are strategies. And I know Randy's working with you and Ryan. God's got a strategy. So you've got to be willing. You've got to be investing. You've got to keep asking. Shall we ask together right now? Father, we come before you. Let's stand to our feet. You've been great. Thank you for your time. Father, we come before you, and based on your word, we just say, Father, we're asking. Send us a shepherd, full-time shepherd, for the flock here, because it's going to grow. And sheep need a shepherd. We thank you for Grace Church Southern Pines. We thank you for Pastor Randy and Ryan and the elders there, as they have, they have taken on. Their heart has come up here and surrounded Minerva and the family and the elders and Sam and Stella. And they've just come and said, we're here for you. But God, you want a sheep that has a shepherd right here. We know you do. And so God, we're asking, and we're not going to stop asking. We come with shameless audacity. We come knocking every day. God, send the shepherd. Send us the shepherd. Send us your shepherd. Send us your shepherd. We thank you, Lord, with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. He's coming. Thank you. He's on his way. Thank you, Lord. We just cry out and say, declaring, our God is good. So, God, we thank you in advance. We do not lose heart. We just keep knocking, and it shall be opened. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.